So now I'd like to give a little reflection. So maybe we can just start by finding a posture. You can sustain for about 50 minutes. And I also like to start with a poem from that collection the other two nuns have been already reading from. The poem is from Nanduttara Bikuni, which means greatest joy, her name. I spent most of my teenage years running from one bed to another. Any sign of warmth would do. Each worked for a while until they got possessive or mean or boring or I did. Then I got new friends, shaved my head, and started eating once a day. During the long, lonely nights that followed, I would remember all the nice warm baths, all the late nights and long mornings, waking up next to beautiful warm bodies. One night, shivering on the ground, I started to cry. It's not fair, no matter what I do, the other thing always looks better. Listen, my heart. I know how exhausting it all gets. Don't give up until you are ready to give up for real. And that's the punchline. Don't give up until you are ready to give up for real. <laughs> and that's, you know, that encapsulates what the combined work of faith and wisdom is all about. You know, wisdom is giving up for real, or letting go, and not giving up is faith. And you know, that's a, it's an interplay, it's like an art and a science, which we can uh, learn, you know, like any other skill. In the beginning it looks like impossible, and, uh, you know, I, I certainly remember when I started to drive, I just could not imagine that they could ever do all of those things at once and then and still keep on holding a conversation or something like that. <laughs> and now I can, you know, I can drive, I can hold a conversation, I can eat something at the same time, <laughs> if it has to be. So I have progressed on the path <laughs> of driving, I mean. And I think it's that, uh, you know, it starts as information and then through practicing with it, it becomes knowledge and then through keep on practicing, it becomes part of our being and we don't anymore have to make an effort, you know, it just flows from us. And I think that's what is meant, you know, with uh, you know, being in the world and not being of the world. You know, enjoying or, you know, 
engaging with the world and at the same time knowing it's all impermanent. That doesn't mean, you know, that the world gets less precious or less frightening or anything like this. But it gives us a perspective or a perspective on everything. It's uh, like that bird's eye view. You know, in order to have this bird's eye view, we have to let go of luggage. We have to let go of ballast. Because otherwise we can't really lift up. And, and the ballast we need to let go of is called ego. You know, in Western balance, and uh, it's called ignorance within the Buddhist teaching. And that is not easy, you know. And the whole practice is about the dance to pay attention in this particular way which is called mindfulness and awareness and then allowing the truth of the way things really are, you know, to start to become apparent by creating, you know, more and more space around experience by just standing next to it, as I said, I think, yesterday and the day before. You know, standing next to it rather than becoming it. And, uh, you know, and once we become something because we are triggered, because some of our, you know, traumatic material gets triggered, and then, you know, we probably know that from your own life and practice, you know, we always tend to go in, into a similar space of some early, very, very early conditioning. And sometimes that can be triggered, you know, by somebody saying something to us or, you know, something, somebody not saying something to us. Or one can simply, you know, get, get ill. For example, I had a I didn't feel very well the first three days of this retreat and my head was kind of like a bit like cotton wool. It was very difficult to focus on anything and pick up anything and it, it emotionally and it brought up some very early kind of feeling of hopelessness and helplessness and being outside of my life, you know. There was kind of, I couldn't quite connect. and. You know, I've been working with that uh, many, 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 many years. In the beginning, when I started to practice, that was very, very strong. I felt there was like a th thick wall, you know, and I, it always reminded me on some very early material you know, when I felt uh, let down, you know, by my parents. And that kind of flavor, you know, has lightened up over the years because I have been working with it, you know, I have been releasing a good amount of energy which was under the grip of this. And then it gets lighter and lighter, but it still comes up, you know. And then when it comes up to be able to, to know it rather than to become it, that's the medicine, you know, to be able to bear the feeling of it and not shutting down, that's the medicine. That's the transforming agent. And that is what is so difficult for us because, you know, we tend to get pulled into it and then we tend to think around it and try to think ourselves out of it. And that is exactly counterproductive because it 
you know, it strengthens the grooves of habitual thinking. And then, you know, there's also different other ways, you know, of trying to come to terms with it without doing the work, which means, you know, to drink something, to eat something, to smoke something, to make a phone call, to go to sleep. There's so many things we can do, you know, to ease the feeling in the moment, but that doesn't really produce more resilience and that doesn't really transform. So we, you know, we are getting caught in that again and again and again until we have enough of that. Because maybe we, you know, we have met someone who has worked out a lot of this and felt very inspired and felt, yes, you know, I could do that too. I have the same equipment like everybody else, every other human being. I can do it. I can sharpen those tools and I can get to work. And that's what faith is all about, you know, that yes. And that, you know, brings forth the energy and the mindfulness and the collectedness of mind in order to do what needs to be done in order to uh, facilitate that insight, you know, which then translate into letting go of ballast and then we can lift up even further. And then we have this bird's eyes view onto experience. So, you know, panya or uh, wisdom, or we can also call it realization, is that faculty which recognizes, which senses, which intuits truth. And this is like a, you know, in, a, in the desert, like a cool breeze. And then faith or sada, conviction, is that which acts on the panya, which you know, steps into that new space we haven't seen before, which lifts it, which integrates that which has been seen, because if we don't do that, we lose it again, then it just is an intellectual endeavor, you know, we, we might then read books about it, write poems about it, you know, uh, make songs about it, pieces of art about it. But if we don't really become that piece of art by you know, letting it ripple through our whole being and our whole life, if we don't act on it, it's going to get lost again. You know, it's just like never quite really translating into freedom because it only will fully translate into freedom if we live it. And you know, it's that intertwined process between realization and actualization by doing it, really living from that place as much as we can. And some days, you know, it's easier than on other days, but that's really how you can kind of nail it down, so to say, you know. It's not a very nice word, but seeing the Jesus on the cross. <laughs> 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 I was just, so, you know, this morning I was just so 
Now this morning I was just so happy, you know, that I'm a Buddhist, really, because that image of the Buddha sitting, you know, and being, you know, the way of doing things is so much more um, attractive to me. <laughs> And, you know, and that is also a very important message for us, you know, who have grown up in a Christian conditioning. You know, this is a very, very deep, 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 deep information we have in our bones, you know, about somebody else needs to do it for us. We can't do it by ourselves. And all of this deep, deep, conditioning, you know, which is completely unconscious. So, that's just like another way of illustrating, you know, how we have to go through so many, 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 many layers of conditioning. And some of them, they are so completely permeating our whole life and being since centuries, you know, the whole lineage of ancestors who have passed it on to us. So, the work isn't kind of easy. And we need to keep some measure of humor with all of this, because otherwise it's, it's kind of too hard, you know. So, I deviated a little bit from what I wanted to say, but, you know, what I wanted to say is that what we see to be true, to bring it in our life and then have the courage to live from that place. That is really so important, you know. And this is why meditation on the cushion is is one side of the coin, but then living it is very important. This is where there are monasteries, for example. There's are places, you know, which are designed to do that in an intense way. But we can all do it every day, you know, wherever we live. It's it's maybe more difficult, you know, because there is not so many reminders. And the retreat is also like a special designed environment for that, you know, where between what you're doing between the sessions of sitting is as important as what is happening while you're sitting. And then, you know, by getting a taste of that flow, by becoming that flow, then hopefully, you know, you can get, take that home with you. That's why it's really good, you know, every year to have a time for retreat, to just restock, take stock of that importance, you know, of integrating the practice in everything what we are doing. And even if we are sleeping many, many times, that's not the point. But then as soon as you remember it, you know, then over time it becomes easier and easier and then you know the time will come where we can hold both truths at the same time you know we can know that there is sadness we can know that there is anger or whatever it is and at the same time we know oh it's impermanent i can i can be with this i can i can just stay open with this and then you know let build up the pressure of that unpleasant emotion and then the time will come and then suddenly it drops deeper and then there's a release.
And then we didn't have to distract ourselves from the emotion. We didn't have to turn away from it. It just changed by itself. And this is what we need to experience, you know, that this, this conviction, this faith in that truth, the confidence in impermanence, that needs to grow because that's very, very strengthening. And then suddenly, you know, before you feel like separate outside of your life in some kind of negative emotion, and then suddenly without anything having changed in particular, suddenly the time has come, the emotion shifts, you're back in your life, back in connection. And then it changes again. But if you have seen that for yourself enough times, then the, the faith in that truth becomes unshakable. So we don't have control you know, over our emotions in the sense what is coming and what is going because it depends on causes and conditions. But we do, we can learn to have control over believing it. We can learn to stand next to it and not getting sucked up. This is what we can learn and that's what we want to train ourselves in and that's what wisdom is all about. In a freedom from fixation. And that's, you know, what we can learn. We can learn this. And that's what the meditation is here for, you know. It's a, it's a technology to teach us that strength of mind, that if something arises, to notice, oh, this has arisen. But then not becoming that object, but staying in the knowing. Knowing what you are not, you are not the emotion. The emotion is impermanent. But being the knowing of the emotion, like the sky and the clouds, the clouds come and go, and the sky is always the sky. And through the meditation practice, we learn to see the clouds for what they are. And some are, you know, beautiful and others are scary and some are boring, and they can all be known and enjoyed, you know. But when they're gone, they're gone. So Panya is, you know, to fully understand the way things truly are and Sada is to fully let go into that knowing, to live from that knowing, to take that risk, to not go down the habitual road and then to really um, understand it is a physical and a mental activity to live from that place. 
So, you know, when wisdom sees clearly and opens up something new in ourselves, then to step into this, to take the risk and step into it. And then again an opening occurs and step into it, step into it. That's how the path unfolds and the mind becomes bigger and bigger. And what can, you know, kind of percolate inside of that mind becomes, can become, you know, bigger and bigger because there's more space. So wisdom and panya is that which recognizes what is true and sadha or faith Let's go into that. And we need both of them. So I'm just going to read the poem one more time. I spent most of my teenage years running from one bed to another. Any sign of warmth would do. Each worked for a while until they got possessive, or mean, or boring, or I did. Then I got new friends, shaved my head, and started eating once a day. During the long, lonely nights that followed, I would remember all the nice warm bath, all the late nights and long mornings, waking up next to beautiful warm bodies. One night, shivering on the ground, I started to cry. It's not fair, no matter what I do, the other things always looks better. Listen, my heart, I know how exhausting it all gets. Don't give up until you are ready to give up for real. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.